yeah, yeah. Soon as my feet touch the floor today, one mission, hustle and motivate. Welcome to the Leader Growth Podcast. I'm David Skidmore. As a leader, you are facing real problems every day. At Leader Growth, we are committed to helping people and organizations overcome challenges and experience transformation. If you would like to download the show notes to follow along with today's episode, you can find them at leadergrowth.us. Today, I'm really excited to have my friend and mentor, Frank Smith, on the podcast. Frank is an executive coach, leadership trainer, and speaker. He is the president of Mosaic Personnel. Leaders know Frank as the business culture guy. You can see his video series, Driving Happiness at Work, on LinkedIn and connect with him at drivinghappinessatwork.com. Frank loves helping people change lives through the intentional business environment they create. Frank is a good friend. He's been a mentor to me for five years, and he has over 27 years of experience as a business owner. One of the challenges all leaders face is creating and maintaining a great business culture. If you want to know how to lead individuals, teams, and your organization well, then get your notes out and lean in because today is filled with leadership gold. We will be sharing the practical steps you take as a leader as we talk about how to build an amazing culture. Let's go to my conversation with Frank Smith now. All right, well, welcome Frank Smith to the Leader Growth Podcast. It is great to have you here today. Thanks. Super excited to be here. And today we're going to talk about business culture. So let's go ahead and jump right in. I want you to to share though from the foundation, you know, why is business culture important? Business culture is important because this is people's life. This is how they experience work. Uh, God created mm-hmm. us to work. We're designed to work. And if we put you in an environment where you can thrive and use the skills and talents that you have uh, to achieve your personal goals and the company goals, how, how do you get life more fulfilling than that? Mm. That's, the, that's the reason why this is important, because I can help you have a fulfilling life using the skills and talents you've been given and designed to do uh, if I put you in the culture that helps that thrive. It's interesting, you know, because a lot of times uh, we can just be looking at where does this ultimately lead for my business? What's the bottom line? But business culture, it actually does affect the bottom line. How does that work? Yeah, I think it's because you're connecting people and engaging people in a way that they uh, maybe weren't engaged in a different culture. So the the holy grail of business culture is employee engagement. You're trying to connect people to the Mm. company, to the goals of the company. uh, And if you can create a culture where their skills and talents are being used and they feel fulfilled, they will get you wherever you need to go. And so it translates directly into company results when you take care of the people that are involved in the organization. What we're really talking about today is a big problem. And a lot of us don't know that we have this problem. It's kind of like, you know, sitting down with with one of your friends and saying, oh, hey, by the way, you have broccoli in your teeth. You know, a lot (laughs) of people uh, leading their businesses would probably say that they have a great business culture. Absolutely. You know, the worst person to ask about the business culture is the leader. (laughs) 
I've never talked to a business leader and say, you know, hey, how's your culture? And they're like, oh, it's terrible because that's a reflection on them. And so they're not going to say that. Yeah. So the leaders almost always say that they have a good culture. You've got to get away from the leader as far as possible and see what that frontline employee is experiencing to really understand what the culture in an organization is like. So what what we're going to do at this point is we're going to be really candid because we know that you as leaders want to grow, you want to move forward. And so, Frank, uh, if you're looking at us and you say, hey, you've got some broccoli in your teeth, <laughs> I'm going to help you out with, with this today. I need to define the problem what actually is a bad business culture? Yeah, that's a great question. A bad business culture is one where uh, people don't feel like anybody cares. Mm. I mean, that's really the way I would describe the bottom line to a business culture. When you talk to places where they say we have a great culture and you dive into that, it's because they feel like somebody cares about them. Uh, I heard a statistic earlier this week, uh, which are obviously dangerous, but you know the number. It said 88% of people don't feel cared about in their job. 88%. Yes. So again, I hope that's wrong, uh, but it's probably not too far off. Uh, but it just tells you how much work we have to do for people to actually feel cared about in their business culture. If we're going to help people move forward, if we're going to help leaders create a great business culture, where does it begin? Yeah. Where does that foundation, how, how do you build that, uh, not just for yourself, but for your team? Yeah. In my mind, the first thing that comes to when I think through this, it's who has had a major positive impact on my life hmm. and what did they do in order to have that positive impact on my life? And then just repeat that. And, you know, they listened to you, they cared for you, they pushed you more than uh, you thought you could be pushed. Uh, When I got my uh, racing license, uh, I was in the car, you have to stay two car lengths behind the instructor for 10 laps, it's raining, and he's trying to kill me. (laughs) He is driving at a speed that is completely unsafe. I'm getting madder and madder as time goes by because I know that he's just trying to put me in the wall. But at the same time, when I came off that track and got my racing license, I couldn't have been prouder, Mm. but he believed in me more than I believed in me. And he knew what I was capable of, and he pushed me to that edge. And that's what you're looking for in a good leader to help create that culture and everything. As somebody that believes in you, that cares, wants you to be successful, and they're willing to do the easy and the hard stuff in order to get you there. Yeah, I I remember in one of our first meetings when we sat down, I was asking you just how do you start as a leader? Like how how do you take your first steps in really growing as a leader? And you mentioned something fascinating to me, and it goes back into into business culture. But you said uh, people don't leave uh, teams, they don't leave businesses, they leave leaders. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, the uh, you know Marcus Buckingham uh, made the comment of. An individual's experience with the business culture is their direct supervisor. And Mm. so you may work for a company that's known for having a great culture. Your experience may not be great because you don't have a direct supervisor that's providing that culture. We all know people that work in companies that are known for a bad culture, but they have a good experience because they have a supervisor that cares about them and, you know, gets them engaged in the workforce. And so it's 
that one specific leader that you're looking for, uh, that you're attaching yourself to, that's going to help make you uh, stay or leave a company. So if I don't feel like my direct supervisor cares for me, it doesn't matter what the person three levels up is thinking. I'm not experiencing that. I'm going to leave because my direct supervisor uh, doesn't seem to get it or get me or whatever the case may be. And so I'm going to bail out from that person, even if it's a company that's known to have a great culture. You know, when, when people talk about business culture, a lot of times the conversation quickly moves to food trucks in the parking lot and having a band show up and, and play or maybe a giant trampoline out there or creating a water park. Who knows? When we get down to business culture, it's not just about big experiential moments, it's the day to day. And so uh, drilling down a little bit more, when people aren't leaving businesses, but they're leaving leaders, why are they leaving leaders? Yeah, so the three reasons people leave, uh, I, I push on this all the time because I, I believe if you get these three things right, you've solved 90% of the issues that you're gonna deal with as a leader. Uh, the first is, clear expectations. Uh, people leave because they don't have clear expectations from their leader. What's expected on the job? What, mm. When I get sick and I need to call in, what am I supposed to do? I mean, things down at that level, I just need to know what your expectations are because people want to meet your expectations. But if you don't tell them what those expectations are, they can't meet it. And they're trying to meet your expectations, but you're making them guess. And they're going to guess wrong a lot of the times. And that's what creates a real disconnect then. Because uh, if I'm guessing that you want something and it's something completely different, you're going to be frustrated with me and you're going to give me feedback that I'm not doing my job and I think I'm doing really good and trying really hard. And it's just going to be frustrating. Uh, the next thing is uh, people feel like they aren't listened to on the job. Mm. They want to have a seat at the table. And a lot of people say, well, but I can't implement their ideas. They don't have all the experience and all that. That doesn't matter. People really don't mind when you say we can't do that because of this or that. They just like to have that loop closed. They like to have their idea considered. They want to learn. The only way they can learn is by bouncing things off of you. Mm -hmm. And so from a word context, they want to have their ideas heard. Even if you need to tell them why that can't be done, they're okay with that. But they also want to be heard from a personal standpoint. This gets to be, you know, can I bring my full self to work? Can mm -hmm. I really be who I want to be uh, in the workplace? And for the company to benefit from all of me, not just, you know, part of me. Wow. One of my favorite sayings from Jack Stack is, with every set of uh, hands, you get a free brain. And, you know, people have a lot of great experiences that if you'll take the time to sit and listen to them, they may have an answer to something that you hadn't thought of before, regardless of what their place in the company is. Uh, they're, they're smart and they, uh, they bring stuff to the table that's beneficial to the company. And then the last thing is the lack of recognition, you know, recognizing people for the work that they do, recognizing people for the skills and the talent that they bring to the table and how that benefits the company. Mm. This is where some of the stuff, the celebrations with the food truck or something are, been, are a piece of the pie. Yeah. Uh, and they are important to celebrate when we have wins and different things like that. That's all part of recognition. But most people skip the easiest part of recognition, which is thank you. <laughs> you know, that's what people want to hear. It's simple. Yeah. If your boss comes up to you and says, thank you, I really appreciate the work you did on this project. This helped the company move forward in this way. 
how do you go home that day? Mm. You're going to feel pretty good. You know, it's not that hard. We try to overcomplicate it by food trucks or different things that require days of planning and all Mm. that stuff. Send them a thank you note to their house. Send a thank you note to their spouse or to their kids for, hey, thanks for letting your dad be gone for the last week. I know that's inconvenient. Uh, Do some things like that that just say thank you and recognize the effort people are putting in uh, goes a long way for people. You know, I I think that goes to our assumptions as, as leaders. And part of it is the question, when people show up at work, do I assume positive intent mm-hmm. or am I assuming that they're just trying to um, essentially take my money <laughs> and work less? And I really believe people want to make a positive impact. And uh, you've, you've really modeled that within the culture you built there where it's not just about uh, placements for a recruiting company, but it's about lives impacted. And you guys talk about that a lot. What, what I want to do is... Um, I want to drill down with you here mm-hmm. a little bit more. When we talk about expectations, because somebody says, hey, expectations, that sounds great. I'm not quite sure how to set clear expectations. So, Frank, would you walk us through how do we do that? Yeah, no, the, the thing that I've learned over time through a variety of sources is that Leadership comes back to self-awareness. You know, the better you know yourself, the better you can lead. And that dials straight into these clear expectations. You know, what are your top two pet peeves at work? You know, Mm. tell your team what those are. You know, they're going to land on them somewhere along the way. <laughs> you know, go ahead and tell them up front. But you've got to stop and analyze yourself and say, what are what are the top two things that frustrate me at work? And when someone does this, it really irritates me. Tell them that, you know, let's have that conversation up front. Most people aren't willing to put that time in uh, up front. You know, what are your expectations with uh, attendance? What are your expectations? You know, some places it's okay to show up five, ten minutes late. You know, Mm -hmm. eight is kind of an ish. You know, (laughs) we're going to show up at eight ish. I know other places that eight doesn't even mean eight. Eight means 750. And I'm going to count it off in my head that you must not be that committed because you didn't show mm-hmm. up until eight. And in your mind, you're showing up on time. In my mind, you're 10 minutes late. That's unfair to the person. So right. you've got to know yourself and understand what are my actual expectations of this person? What are my expectations of this job? When I was in manufacturing, one of the goals that I had was that if you got up from your workstation and left for the day, do you know if you performed well today or not without your supervisor saying mm-hmm. anything? Were the expectations of your job clear enough that when you walk out of that door at 4.30 that you knew I did what I was supposed to do today? Yes. If someone doesn't have that clarity to their job, your expectations aren't clear enough. They need to know when they walk out. And that's you know certain roles, maybe that's on a daily basis, certain roles that's on a weekly basis. But I would argue that the farther you can push that down uh, for someone to know, was this a good week? When I leave on a Friday, if you can walk out of the door and feel like you met your boss's expectations that week, you can relax in a different way over the weekend. And so it's a gift that you're giving to your employee by saying, this is what I expect on a weekly basis. If you're doing that, you're doing okay here. So a few years ago, Frank, I was working with Mosaic personnel. I was a recruiter with you. And you used something there. It was the base, mid, 
and summit, those were our three levels of, of goals, our three levels of expectations. It's like uh, climbing Everest. You know, you have base camp, you got midway up, and then you've summited this, this mountain. Are you still using that today? Yeah, we actually uh, abandoned that. And <laughs> it will, because I think it sets up a false uh, system. Because if I say that the base okay. goal is good enough, you're going to hit that base goal and feel like I accomplished what Frank wanted. Yes. And I can promise you, I'm thinking you should hit mid-range at least. Yeah. And so you're going to come in and be like, hey, look what I did. And I'm going to be like, ah, you didn't get to mid-range uh, or wow. you didn't get to summit. And so I realized that I had one expectation on that chart and the employee had a very different expectation. And I didn't feel like it was communicating exactly uh, what we needed for both of us to be on the same page. You know, they're like, hey, I hit your base goal. Look at this. And I'm like, oh, what a shame we didn't get to mid-range. And, and that's not fair to the person. And so we've gone back to just kind of this is the goal and we all know what that goal is and that's what we're shooting at. That's so helpful because I might think I got an A and you think I got a C. And so when we get to my quarterly review or my uh, year end review, we're going to have a, a very different conversation in my mind than what I would have expected going into it. You know, you, you talked a little bit about the importance of creating a space where people feel listened to. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Yeah, the best way that I've found to do that is through the meeting rhythm mm -hmm. uh, and making sure that you've got that one-on-one -on -one time with employees and that they have that opportunity to talk about whatever it is that they want to talk about. There's work stuff that needs to be talked about, but sometimes the most important thing that got uh, talked about in that meeting is something that's personal uh, about what's going on in their life or whatever. And the meeting rhythm is the only way that I know to do that that doesn't feel like oh, I'm being interrupted all the time. It's like, hey, at one o'clock on Monday, you and I are going to have a chance to talk. Obviously, if something pops up that's urgent, we can address that whenever it needs to be. But if you know that hey, I can talk to Frank about that at one o'clock on Monday, uh, we have that time set aside. And so we talk about work, we talk about the goals that you're trying to achieve, but we also talk about your family and how things are going there and the goals that you're trying to achieve there and how we can be helpful around that. And so that's really the best way. When, when I ask people how often they meet with their boss, the most common answer I get is, well, we're scheduled to meet every other week or something like that, but it gets canceled, you know, half or mm. two thirds of the time, which means now you're only getting to actually talk to your boss once a month or something. And how cared do you feel for when someone only right. talks to you once a month? If, you know, you're not important enough for me to stop my week and have a conversation with you more than once a month. Uh, I had a client years ago that was trying to brag to me about how he always made sure that he reached out and connected with his people. And he spent at least 15 minutes a month with each one of his direct <laughs> reports. And I was just like, that's terrible. And he was just, you just watched the balloon deflate <laughs> right. out of him because he thought he was doing something amazing. Uh, and I'm like, 15 minutes a month. A whole 180 <laughs> minutes in a year. I mean, wow. Yeah. He probably knows them very well. Exactly. Yeah. No, he couldn't tell you anything <laughs> about the people that work. in that 15 yeah. minutes was all about him telling them what he needed them to know. Uh, so my bet is they probably didn't get a chance to even talk during that time period. It was them listening, not him listening, but, which has the complete opposite effect. 
I hope you're getting this. This is leadership gold that Frank's giving us right now. This is the essentials. Like if we're doing these three things, we're talking about it clears up 90% of the problems that you're going to have within your workspace. You know, Frank, when you talk about your meetings, you have established a culture. You built a culture that is very relational and yet also has very high expectations. I think sometimes people think it has to be one or the other. Can you walk us through your yearly uh, rhythm of, of meetings, breaking it down from you know weekly all the way through uh, monthly and quarterlies and what, what that looks like? Yes, yeah. So I'm trying to figure out which way to start, top end or bottom end. I'll start with the weekly. Uh, every person that has a direct report to you, you need to be meeting with I believe really weekly there's exceptions to that like there is with everything sometimes uh, that may not be needed with someone who maybe has been you know has a lot of experience or just doesn't need as much uh, personal interaction time so you have to take that into account but the the standard is once a week at least a half hour with each person that's a direct report to you. Uh, that's going to vary depending on some people just talk more than others and they need an hour instead of 30 minutes. But 30 minutes minimum uh, per week that you're doing uh, with each individual that directly reports. Then we have a staff meeting and we have our staff meeting on Monday morning uh, at 8.30 and we also have another one on Thursday mornings at 8.30. So two staff meetings a week to check in and make sure things are going okay. What do you need help with? What's going on as the team that somebody else might be able to help with. Uh, and so we have a whole agenda that we kind of work through on those weekly staff meetings. Then we have a management meeting. So the management team gets together every two weeks and just discusses, you know, what am I not hearing that maybe I need to be aware of in the organization? What questions do they have that the whole group might need to uh, interact with? So that's what that management level meeting uh, on a monthly basis, you need to be reviewing your financial information and not just the historic side of what happened, but what's happening this month. You know, if I'm looking at it historically mm -hmm. and going, oh, last month stunk, you know, well, I can't do anything about last month now. If I'm looking at this month and saying, hey, this month looks like we're going to come up a little bit short, uh, I got three to four weeks that I can still try to fix that. And so we're trying to have that financial conversation uh, looking forward on a monthly basis and anticipating. And then, you know, your planning meetings. We do an annual offsite uh, for the team to get ready for the coming year. And then we do a mid-year offsite mm -hmm. where we look at the year and say, OK, this was our plan. This is how it's going you know, what are we missing? What have we not implemented that we wanted to? What did we implement that's not working the way we did? What can we adjust for the back half of the year? And so we do our annual offsite, usually somewhere around the middle of November, uh, maybe the first week of December, planning for the upcoming year. And then we try to do our mid-year uh, sometime in May, early June at the latest, in order to be able to make adjustments and have things in place for quarter three and quarter four going into the year. So those are the major kind of milestone meetings that we try to implement on a regular basis. When you're meeting this often, you're you're not going to have surprises about where your business is if you're doing these things. And so I, I remember uh, I, I was talking to you early on uh, before I worked for you uh, about the year end review mm -hmm. and just how important it was and you kind of blew up the idea that the year-end review is everything. And the reason was because you you started walking me through the importance of how every, like all of these other meetings play into what you're doing. You don't wait for 
the year to end to review somebody. This is an ongoing process. Yeah, I think that's one of the worst ideas that companies can do. I, I literally have a client right now who just engaged with me and they were really stressed about an annual review that they had to do with an employee because of some difficult things that they needed to mention. And when I asked a few more questions and was just like, okay, so they're doing, no, they did this back in February. Why are we waiting till October to have this conversation uh, about something that happened in February? Why didn't you have that conversation mm -hmm. in February? Uh, you know, that's what I like about the weekly meetings because I can have that conversation to you immediately you know, when something happens that I think needs to maybe be adjusted slightly, and it's not that big of a deal. If you've, you know, you haven't created a habit yet. If I wait from February till October, you've probably done that same thing six times or more by now because no one told you don't do that. <laughs> and I was just like, why are you waiting until this annual review to have this conversation with somebody? And the weekly meeting, I think, resolves all of that. And you really don't need to have annual performance reviews and that kind of thing, which nobody likes. You know, I talk to client right. after client and people that do those. And, you know, some people do it on the anniversary date, which at least spreads it out. I know other people that they always do it on a calendar year and they've got 12 direct reports and they're all due on Tuesday. And I've got to get 12 people's, you know, they don't spend any time on mm -hmm. it. They just rush through it. So it's really meaningless anyway. And I think it's one of the worst tools that we use in business uh, because we're not communicating on a timely basis to people. And communication or feedback that's not timely uh, is more damaging than it is helpful. And when we give people the opportunity to speak into how things are going mm -hmm. uh, and be able to, to have a voice to, hey, I'm making these calls, uh, but they're not getting the results that I thought, you can actually coach somebody through that then. If, if somebody's just on an island and it says, hey, here's your big number, but that's the only help that, that you're offering them, good luck. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things that we do by looking forward uh, is, you know, people know what their goal is for the month. You know, talk to me two weeks into the month if you're off track and maybe we can still come up with an idea of how you can hit your goal. You know, don't wait until the end of the month and go, oh, yeah, I kind of knew I was going to blow that one. But, you know, why would you keep pedaling in that direction uh, if it's not working? And so by having those meetings on a regular basis where you can uh, you know, look forward and say, hey, we're missing the mark here. How can we adjust quickly? Uh, makes things move much better. So now let's talk about number three. And that's recognition. And I love this one. You know, I've shared this here on, on this podcast. I have another podcast going currently called For Love With Joy. And the reason I did that is because I think sometimes leaders can feel a little bit one dimensional flat on the page. And so I wanted people to, to be able to know a little bit of my story with grief, loss, redemption and glory and walk through that simultaneously. Mm -hmm. That for for me as a leader has everything to do with I truly value the uniqueness of people. I've seen that in you, Frank. From day one, you value the uniqueness in people. You value people. And out of that, uh, you really care about recognizing people. And so I want you to, to just talk to us and open your heart up to us about the importance of recognition and how that plays in to creating a space where people really want to show up every day. Yeah, I think for me, it stems back to, you know, 
the care issue. A recognition has to be meaningful. It has to be you're recognizing me in a way that's meaningful to me. I've got a client several years ago that he was telling me that one of his employees mentioned to him that he really enjoyed a handwritten note mm-hmm. and that that's how he felt, you know, if someone was grateful that a handwritten note meant a lot to him. This leader chose to think that was silly. Ooh. And he was just like, I'm not writing this guy a handwritten note. You know, I don't have time for that. And I just told him, I said, he gave you a gift. He told you what was <laughs> meaningful to him. And, you know, you might listen to that. Well, I showed up two weeks later for our second executive coaching or another executive coaching session. And he was like, well, Brian quit. <laughs> and I'm like, well, did you ever write him a handwritten note? Well, I wasn't going to write him a handwritten note. I'm like, well, that's probably why Brian quit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're not going to recognize somebody in a meaningful way. And again, it, it all stems back to that. Do you know me? Do you care for me? And that recognition has to be something that's meaningful to them. And it can be as simple as a thank you. We don't need to overthink this. I don't have to buy you a trip to Europe to show you that I'm grateful for the work that you did. I just have to show that I know you well enough to know that this is meaningful to you. And that's what I think the key to recognition is, is what's meaningful to that person. Some people, they like the public recognition. They like mm-hmm. to be called out in front of the whole group and, hey, we want to thank David for the amazing work he did this on this. This is very true. This is me. Yeah. I know other people that they would hate that. Right. To bring them up in front of the company and say, hey, look what this person did. They are dying inside. Yeah. we. I, I can actually tell you a story. We had a lady that worked for us and when I was in manufacturing for 20 years. And to celebrate her 20th anniversary, she had always wanted to go uh, and see the mountains. So we put together a trip and sent her to Colorado Springs uh, and so she could see Pikes Peak and all of the things that are, are there. She got there, was terrified by it, came back, and didn't come back to work. 20-year employee, she quit her job because she was embarrassed because she got to and felt so uncomfortable there. Well, it was a terrible gift from us. Again, our intention was great, but that doesn't matter. Mm. (laughs) You know, it took us three days to talk her into coming back to work. (laughs) Uh, And we apologized for the fact that, again, we we thought that this would be something. She had never been out of the state of Oklahoma. Mm. And uh, we thought, well, well, she should broaden her, you know, horizons and let's send her somewhere. And again, she had even thought that that would be neat, but she didn't like it. But it, it wasn't something that really spoke to her. Frank, I know one of your favorite authors and voices is a guy named Patrick Lencioni. Yes. And he wrote a book called The Motive. And as we're talking about clear expectations, as we're talking about, you know, helping people feel listened to, helping people feel recognized, that is going to be hard work to continue to do that again and again. You've talked to me a lot about this, this book. Can you just talk to us? about the importance of the motive of a leader. Yes, uh, this book resonated really well with me because I see it over and over again. And it's somewhat unfortunate because we've created these systems in our business environment uh, that allow this. But a lot of people view leadership as a reward for the work that they did. It's the way they're being recognized. You were a great sales guy, so we're making you head of the sales department. You were great at this, so we're making you president of the company. And they view it as a reward. It's something that I've earned. And those people tend to make really crappy leaders. The people that you really want in that leadership spot are the people that know how much work this is going to be 
and they do it because it's going to be that much work and because they like that work. Again, setting clear expectations, listening to people, recognizing people, that takes a lot of effort and it's going to get messy. You know, when you start pouring into people's lives, all of us have lives that are messy. We all have personal stuff going on and you're going to have to invest in that. This is where the whole concept of servant leadership is so important because as a leader, you're truly there to serve the people. My job is to support you, make sure you have what you need to get us where we're trying to go. That's going to get messy in a lot of ways. And if you're a leader that doesn't embrace that and want to jump in and think, hey, this sounds really cool, you're not going to be the leader that people really want to follow. You're going to be people that they go, oh, he's in that spot, but he's kind of a jerk or he's kind of doesn't really care about me. And those are the kind of leaders that people leave uh, and not the kind of leaders that people stay with and say, hey, this is tough, but we're going to go still try to accomplish our mission or purpose for this company. And that's what you're really trying to create is, hey, when this gets tough, I'm not going to bail out. I'm going to dive in even that much deeper uh, because I want to follow this person. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of work to create that as a leader. Frank, I feel like today you've set before us steak. You know, this is this is like a steak dinner that is going to take a while for, you know, some of you are going to come back to this one again and again because there's so much gold in what Frank has shared. Let's say that I'm just getting started in this mm -hmm. or maybe I've been going seven years, 15 years and I'm going, you know what? I don't really think that I'm the person who sets clear expectations. People wouldn't describe me as somebody that they feel listened to. And I don't remember the last time I recognized somebody. What's the first step? Where do we start? Yeah. The number one skill is curiosity, listening. You know, that's where you start. That takes time. Uh, and so you got to clear your schedule and do some things like that to be able to make that time for people. But if you're not listening, uh, you're not leading. And I think that's one of the things that people miss a lot because they think I'm the leader. I got to be charismatic. I'm, mm -hmm. I've got to be the one that's telling everybody. No, not so much. Yeah. Listen and uh, do what they want because they got a lot of great answers. They'll get you where you want to go if you just plug in. If you're not listening, you're not leading. And I think that that's a step all of us can take. It's a growth step. It's something that, that we can add into our lives. And when we do it with the motive of serving people, when we do it with the motive of impacting lives, when we do it with the motive of humility uh, and authenticity because we truly care about people, uh, we're going to see not just ourselves, but our organizations uh, impacted in healthy ways. And we're going to see the people on our team show up and say, I love being part of this team. My leader isn't perfect, but I know that they care. Because of that, I know we can go somewhere together. So Frank Smith, thank you for joining us today on the Leader Growth Podcast. It's always an honor to spend time with you. Oh, it's always fun to have these conversations. I appreciate you uh, engaging in them and uh, look forward to the next one. And I owe you a green tea frappuccino. I will take you up on that. All right, that wraps up today's conversation with my brilliant friend, Frank Smith. As always, you can find the show notes for today's podcast online at leadergrowth.us forward slash podcast. Would you rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast? And would you share it with a friend? If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at I'm David Skidmore. 
I'll see you next time. Cost me everything. Never front like I'm balling. I got moves to make. Better with success. I got dues to pay. All good things that come to those who wait. Yeah, what I left behind from trying to be great. Ain't no secret to success if you ain't working. If you ain't down to hustle, then you don't deserve it. If it came easy, 